Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Just as God took care of Jacob and fed him and provided for him his whole life, he's going to do that for us as well. You see, one of the things that distinguish us from those who are outside of the faith is we have a heavenly father who knows what we need. We have a heavenly father who's committed himself to taking care of us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapters 45 through 48 in a message titled, The Reunion of Joseph and Jacob. Now here's Pastor Brian. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years, few and evil, have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Jacob refers to life here as a pilgrimage. He is referring to himself as a sojourner. In other words, he's speaking of life as temporal. You know, people don't like to do that today, do they? People like to just think that, you know, life is going to go on and on and on. And, and so many people have deceived themselves into thinking that is the case. But it is a pilgrimage. It is a temporary situation. But he said regarding his life, few and evil. 130 years old. And he says, few have been the days of my pilgrimage. You know, it doesn't matter how old you get, it still seems that the days are few. Life still seems short. And, you know, as as we get older and older, you know how it is, you look back and you think, wow, where did the time go? How did it go by so quickly? That's life. When you get to the point where you you know, just from the standpoint of your, just your body's ability to keep going, when you, when you get to that point in life where you know you've got less time ahead of you than you've got behind you, and that's something to think about. It's something that causes you to sort of stop and say, wow, you know? If you think about how quickly the past went by and you don't have as much ahead of you, before you know it, it's going to be over. And it's sad that so few people really think about that. But you know, the God of this age, as we read, the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe the gospel. The God of this age, Satan, he blinds people's minds to reality as well, doesn't he? People just act like and conduct themselves like They're going to live forever. They're going to go on and on and on, and nothing's going to stop them. They live with no consciousness whatsoever of a day of reckoning or accountability. And man, think of all the people that are going to have 
the most rude awakening of all time when they take that final breath. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. So for Jacob, evil days, hard days, difficult days, days marked by trouble. And I would say that probably most people that have lived on this earth would have a similar perspective. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. Now, here's an interesting thing because note before the references to Goshen. And even to this day, they've not really been able to discover exactly where Goshen is except Moses seems to have cleared it up here, clarified it, that the land of Ramses, which would be in Moses' time, was formerly the land of Goshen. And so this gives the archaeologist an understanding that it would have been in the northern part of Egypt at the time where later on the, the kingdom or the center of the empire would move to the southern part of Egypt. So then Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with bread according to the number of their families. Now, in verses 13 through 26, we're told here about Joseph's dealings, how he dealt wisely with the Egyptians And during this time of famine, Joseph, in dealing with the Egyptians, he actually ended up purchasing all of the land of Egypt for the Pharaoh. And that's essentially what is covered here in verses 13 through 26. So again, we'll skip over that and pick up in verse 27. So Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, And they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. So, you know, when when Jacob went to Egypt to see Joseph, he, he thought that he had just a few years left. But... The fact of the matter is, God gave him 17 more years. So when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in the burial place And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, swear to me. And he swore to him, so Israel bowed himself on the head of his bed. And now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, look, 
your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and set up on the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz, which became known as Bethel. Remember the place where when Jacob was fleeing from Esau and as he was headed toward Laban and he, in, in his weariness, as he slept that night and he, as he used a stone for a pillow, remember, it was then that the Lord appeared to him. There was that ladder up into heaven in the vision that he saw. That's what he's referring to here. God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now, Jacob is, remember, they're in Egypt now. And you know, it's interesting when you think about Joseph. Joseph left the land of Canaan when he was 17 years old, never to return until after his death. He lived to be 110. And so, you know, somewhere around 90 years, Jacob spent in Egypt. He never really, apart from his youth, he was never really in the land. But, but the land is a vital part of the promise that God has given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is repeated over and over again in Genesis, repeated, given initially to Abraham, but then repeated to Isaac, repeated to Jacob, and now here Jacob is once again reiterating the fact that God was giving them that land as an everlasting possession. Now, of course, we see today that there is all kinds of strife and contention surrounding the land. And, and what's the real issue? The real issue is who has the right to the land? And the surrounding nations, they say, well, we have the right. But of course, Israel says, well, no, we have the right. Well, of course, the Jews are standing on biblical ground where the Muslim nations are obviously not. And we'll talk about that extensively in, a, in another study. But again, Jacob brings that up to Joseph here. And now he says, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring whom you beget after them shall be yours. They will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Then Israel saw Joseph's sons and said, who are these? And Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. So Jacob is, he's taking Ephraim and Manasseh to himself. He says, any other children you have, they're yours. That's fine. But I am, I am taking these two. And they would, from that point on, they would be reckoned, those names would be reckoned with 
Reuben, Sibion, Levi, Judah, right on down, you would go to Manasseh and Ephraim. And as we go on in the history, we find that uh, the northern kingdom was often referred to as Ephraim. That became the name for the northern kingdom. And so Jacob says, bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. So Joseph brought them out from beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand and he brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long, to this day, the angel who redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be upon them and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. Now, of course, Jacob was in that same situation because he was the younger brother to Esau, but God had blessed him above his brother and, and given him the blessing of the covenant. And so... Here Ephraim is being preferred and blessed uh, over his older brother Manasseh. And so Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. Now, again, Remember, 17 years Jacob lived in the land. It seems from the story here that the, that the boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, it seems that they were quite young at this point. When it says that Joseph brought, brought them out from beside his knees, it seems to indicate that they were small children. And so again, there's probably uh, a longer time period going on here 
than we realize. Of course, many times in the Bible, decades will pass without really even a mention. And so even though, you know, Jacob is, you know, convinced that he's dying, it seems that there's probably still some life in him. Now, look at what Jacob says here about God. It's beautiful. The God who fed me all my life long to this day. The word here is literally shepherded me. The Lord, of course, we know the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, and that's, in essence, what Jacob is saying. He's provided for me. He's taken care of me. He's, he's been my shepherd all my life long to this day. And what was true for Jacob is true for us. Again, these things were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And so just as God led Jacob all of his life, just as he provided for him all of his life, just as he took care of him, we can have that same kind of expectancy and that same kind of confidence in the Lord today. Now, we're living in difficult times. Well, for us who are God's people, we can have the same kind of of expectation and we can have that same kind of confidence that just as God took care of Jacob and fed him and provided for him his whole life, he's going to do that for us as well. You see, this is the thing that, one of the things that distinguish us from those who are outside of the faith is we have a heavenly father who knows what we need. We have a heavenly father who's committed himself to taking care of us. And just as God, foreseeing the famine that would come and the potential devastation it would bring upon Jacob's family, sent Joseph before them to assure that they would be provided for so you can be confident that if you know all of the things around us, all of the infrastructure that we've built up as a nation or a community or whatever, if, if all of that fails, God doesn't fail. Though the mountains are removed and thrown into the midst of the sea, we can trust in the Lord. And, and these are the, the living lessons that we need to take away from these stories. It wasn't just Jacob that God would provide for all the days of his life. It's every person who will put their faith and trust in the Lord as Jacob did. And we've seen over and over again, Jacob wasn't a perfect man. You know, when things start to get difficult and we start to get worried, the next thing we start to do is think of, you know, what lousy Christians we are. And I could see where God would help those people because they're so godly and faithful, but, you know, I'm, he's not going to help me. But, you know, if you're his child, if you're putting your faith and trust in him, you don't want to keep being a lousy Christian, but <laughs> know that that's gonna, not going to stop God from helping you. 
It's not gonna stop God from blessing you and pulling you through this. And, and sometimes a lot of that is just the enemy's condemnation anyway. I mean, obviously, we wanna be serious about our relationship with God. We wanna be faithful. We wanna be seeking him. Could we find reasons why God probably wouldn't wanna help us out? Oh, yeah, all of us could find reasons for that, I'm sure. I could find plenty of reasons to doubt whether or not God would get me out of a jam. But thank God we've got guys like Jacob to look back on. (laughs) Guys who had human weakness and frailty and inconsistency and at times unbelief. But listen to the testimony. The God who has fed me all my life long to this day. And then the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. And that's it. God's redeemed us. The angel who redeemed me, it's interesting, he uses that term, the angel who redeemed me. And of course, he's referring, no doubt, back to that incident when he wrestled with that man all night who happened to be none other than the Lord himself. And what we know from the, the bigger picture of Scripture, John 1.18 telling us no man has seen the Father at any time. No man has seen God, but I think the, the way to understand that is no man has seen the Father at any time. But the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. One of the things that that tells us is that all of these revelations of God to the patriarchs, it was God the Son who was revealing God to them. So when Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, he was wrestling with the pre-incarnate Christ. And I like that reference. The angel who redeemed me from all evil. Literally, that's what the Lord has done. He's redeemed us from all evil. He's done that with his precious blood. And so having redeemed us, and made us his people, he promises to shepherd us all the days of our life. And it reminds me of those great words at the end of Hebrews concerning Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, establishing us, settling us, blessing us, taking care of us. We're his. He's redeemed us, and we can trust him all the way to the end. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There are certain Christian books that we would refer to today as classics, books that have just stood the test of time and generation after generation of Christians have benefited from them. There is a book that is recently published called Gentle and Lowly, written by Dane Ortland. And, you know, many people are already saying that this is a Christian classic. Now, Gentle and Lowly is taken from the passage in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus 
says of himself that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so this book is looking at Jesus through that lens, and we're going to find out that Jesus is much more gracious, much more patient, much more loving than we ever imagined him to be. So this is a fantastic book, and I highly recommend it, especially for anyone who has a tendency to feel like they failed God, they've let him down, or you're not sure about God's love for you. This book is going to, I think, forever give you the right perspective on the heart of Jesus for his children. So check it out, Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. You can order the book Gentle and Lowly by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.